Want a fresh take on what's going on with the Saints, LSU, the betting world, and the NFL? Then you've picked the right place. Jim Derry has plenty of datitude, and he's ready to tell you the way it is. Well, the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends around the country who wonder where the hell I've been for the last three weeks. I've been on vacation. Well, I've been back for a few days now, but uh, hell, we uh, just didn't have a show on Friday. It just didn't work out. So we're having one today, a very special Datitude. Episode number 58 for a Wednesday, March the 9th. 2022. I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at bet.nola.com. The Times Picayune and the Advocate, and uh, I am a little under the weather today, so you'll have to bear with me. I am going to trudge through because we have some things to talk about. I mean, there's a lot that's happened since we spoke last about this New Orleans Pelicans. We haven't talked enough about the Pelicans uh, on this podcast, but we will today. We will have David Grubb on in just a little bit, host of Hard in the Paint with David Grubb. His podcast can be found, oh, wherever you found this one, unless you found it at bed.nola.com. Then you're going to have to go search for it um, wherever you would find other podcasts, Apple, Apple Play, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, all those good places, Hard in the Paint with David Grubb. Nobody knows more about the Pelicans than David Grubb. Well, maybe a few people, but he's in the know. We want to hear what he has to say. And uh, we also talk a little bit about some other things today. Um, LSU basketball, I want to get a take on where they stand going to the SEC tournament. They will play tomorrow afternoon at 1 o'clock against either Missouri or Ole Miss. They are playing later tonight. The SEC tournament gets kicked off in Tampa, Florida tonight. Um, the weather in Florida is supposed to be awful this week. Uh, speaking of awful weather in Florida, we'll bring on Uncle Big Nick to wrap up the show later on because I want to talk about the Players' Championship. And uh, if you're interested in betting on golf, which has become more and more of a thing, especially now that we have it right at our fingertips, um, and as some of you know, I... I've, I've hit it a little bit following Uncle Big Nick the, the past couple months. We've done pretty well. And he's done outstanding with his golf pick. So with the fifth major, as some people call it, and to me one of the more fun tournaments of the year, we wanted to pick his brain and see, you know, give us a little direction. If we wanted to put a few bucks on some guys, who should we look at? We're going to talk about that uh, at the end of the show. Uncle Big Nick will be on. Um I love the TPC. I really do. But the weather is supposed to be just horrible. It's already been bad. Uh, there's been rain in the Jacksonville, Ponte Vedra Beach area for uh, a couple of days now, and it's supposed to rain until Saturday afternoon. And then it's supposed to turn cold, and it's supposed to be windy. So they may have starts and stops all over in that tournament. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens going forward there. Um, keep your eyes on... Uh, on that, even if you're if you're not into betting, if you just want to watch and enjoy it, I love golf. I always have. Um, <clears throat> now I've gotten into it a little bit more since we've been able to bet. 
Um, and I'm trying to learn the nuances and the ins and outs and who plays well in bad weather and who does this and who's better on long courses. I'm figuring all those things out now. But uh, to me, betting golf is might be the most fun sport to bet on. It lasts for four days. So you never, you're never really out of it unless your guy just is horrible on day one or day two. You know, you're still in it. I mean, you look at last week and Scotty Scheffler, you could have got him at 100 to 1 after day two. So you just never know. And uh, live betting on golf is, is a whole lot of fun. We're going to get into that in a little bit. Um, I want to start the monologue, though, by talking about uh, the breaking news of the week to me. There's two, two, two things. Um, one of them we get into with both of our guests, and one of them we don't talk about with either of our guests. So I guess I'm going to start, start off with the one that we do talk about, and that's Calvin Ridley. And um, what, you know, we talked about this on Bayou Bets on Monday. You just got to wonder, what's running through a guy's head? Now, there, there have been things I've seen all over social media, whether or not betting should, with the way things are today, should guys be able to bet on sports? And that's a whole other story, because I personally think in Calvin Ridley's situation, I mean, he's not playing the rest of the year. I'm not sure what it's harming by him betting. That being said, common sense tells you you cannot bet on your sport. In fact, you probably shouldn't bet on anything until you're out of sports. And if you do, use your girlfriend's email or your mom's email. Get a different phone just for betting. Put it under your mom's name, under your girlfriend's name, under your brother's name, under your best friend's name, whatever. You don't say, I'm Calvin Ridley, and I'm betting $1,500 Thanksgiving weekend because I have nothing better to do. Well, guess what? $1,500 cost you $11 million. I hope he won those bets. I don't know. I don't think it matters. Common sense. So now Calvin Ridley is going, I know, I know you feel real bad for the Atlanta Falcons, right? I mean, that's just horrible. They only have one receiver signed on their roster right now, and it's some backup rookie that I didn't know who he was. Um, they're in trouble. The Falcons are in a lot of trouble going forward. We'll see how that plays out. Again, we'll talk about that with, uh, with David Grubb and with Uncle Big Nick. Because Uncle Big Nick, he said, I know we're talking golf, but can I, can I talk about Ridley a little bit? I'm like, sure. <laughs> he couldn't wait to talk about it. He had to bring it up. But I mean, just seriously. Common sense, man. Now, again, whether or not you should be able to, that's a whole different story. Maybe they'll change it later. But until they change it, if you play sports and you make money for a living playing sports... Don't bet. It's pretty simple. The other things we don't talk about with our guest, <clears throat> the big news from yesterday, um, and we'll probably get into this Friday. I'm hoping to have Jeff Duncan on the show on Friday. I've not received confirmation yet on our regular Friday show because we are going to go back to one day a week um, unless something warrants. Like this week, I did want to talk about TPC, and I hadn't been on for three weeks, so I thought it was important to come on and have a show on Wednesday. But... Um, Going forward, we are going to have just a Friday show and probably until uh, maybe the week before the NFL draft, somewhere along there. Um, maybe when the Pels get in the play-in game, which is all about the same time anyway. We might have two shows around that time. But uh, for most 
of the rest of the uh, late winter into spring and into summer, it's going to probably be a one, one show a week um, venture going forward, at least for a little while. But uh, the Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers story yesterday, you know, I, I said it before the season was even over. I don't think anybody thought Russell, not, not realistically. This is why I thought the Saints had a chance at Russell Wilson, because I don't think anybody realistically thought Russell Wilson was staying in Seattle. It was clear he didn't want to stay there. Um, and with the departure of Sean Payton, I think it would have been an upset if he would have come here. I think had Sean Payton stayed here, I think there would have been a chance that he would have been traded to the Saints. But then again, if you're a Saints fan, and I saw some people saying that Denver, that's the, they're going to the Super Bowl now. Are you crazy? Did you see what the Broncos gave up to get Russell Wilson? I'm sorry. I'm a huge Russell Wilson fan. Huge Russ fan. I think he's fantastic. But he's 34 years old, and he did not have the greatest season in the world last year. Let's face it. Um, to give up two number ones, two number twos, and to me a top ten tight end in Noah Fant, and a number five, you're crazy. He, I, I, he's just not worth that. I'm not sure... Besides Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Derrick Henry and, you know, maybe a handful of others, nobody's worth that. I mean, you're, you're giving up the top two picks for your franchise the next two years. Are you crazy? He, he, you're missing more than quarterback on that team. I'm sorry. You know, maybe if you it had everything in place, and I mean everything in place, maybe, and, and I, I wouldn't have liked it if you were the Saints, maybe if Kamara wasn't going to get suspended, Michael Thomas is definitely coming back, you can sign an OBJ and maybe get a Teran Matthew, and you're loaded for the next few years, and you bring in Russell Wilson as the only missing piece. Maybe. But even then, I would have said it was too much. You cannot spend, if you're the Broncos, two number ones and two number twos and give up Noah Fan for Russell Wilson. Seattle made out like bandits because he didn't. Russell Wilson didn't want to stay there. So I can tell you in the back channels, Russ is saying, I want out of here. And if you know this, then, and you're the Broncos, why are you willing to give that much up? You got to play chicken. And if they played chicken, they didn't do it very well. So, anyway, we'll see how that works out. I just, that's crazy. And then Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay, that is no surprise to me whatsoever. Um, it, look, I, I don't, I, I think Green Bay's fine. Uh, they're a good team. They're not a Super Bowl team, I don't think. I'm not putting any money on the, on the Packers, I can tell you that. They'll be overpriced. I think that Minnesota is going to be better next year. Um, and frankly, I think the Bears and, and Lions are both going to be better. And the Lions give the Packers trouble for some reason. I just don't think the Packers are a Super Bowl championship team with or without Aaron Rodgers. I'm not sure what they need. Um, maybe they need more help on the O-line. Maybe they need more help on defense. Um I'm glad to see Devontae Adams is being tagged, and so he's coming back. 
And I'm sure he wanted to go back now that Aaron Rodgers is there. But these contracts that they're giving these quarterbacks, remember, I don't know, what was it, seven or eight years ago, nine years ago maybe, when Drew Brees got $22 million, I think. And at the time, it was like a fifth of the salary cap. I just don't think you can... I know you need a franchise quarterback. I understand you need a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen or a Tom Brady or something like that to win a, a championship. But when you start spending a fifth of a fourth or a fifth of your salary cap money on one player, kills you. How many Super Bowls did the Saints win? I love Drew Brees. Best player in Saints history. But the Saints went through some rough patches after he signed that huge contract and they were salary cap strapped. Think about it. I mean, go back to 2014, 15, and 16. Seven and nine seasons. They couldn't sign anybody. The defense was atrocious, and they really couldn't make it any better. So some of these teams that give up their future for one or two players, I'm not, I'm, I don't know, man. I'd rather be like a Buffalo right now. And at some point, they're going to have to pay the heck out of Josh Allen. But, and they will, I'm sure. But it's hard to be a dynasty today. They're the Patriots of last decade and the 49ers of the, of the late 80s and in the 90s and the Cowboys of the 90s. I don't know, man. I, and I, that's what the NFL wants. It's going to be hard to t- keep that going with, with the way that salaries are and with the way salary cap, uh, the salary cap that put your team situation to put your team in. So uh, again, I think Seattle made out like bandits. I think and I I think they're they're in position to where I know they kind of have to start over, but you know what they were kind of in that boat anyway. And to be able to get r- rid of Russ and get what they got for him, man. Seems like they were on the good end of that stick. We shall see soon enough. Let's get to David Grubb, and we talk about um, a few things. We talk about Calvin Ridley, but uh, I also want to talk about LSU basketball. And with them starting the LSU, the SEC tournament this week, uh, starting on Thursday, um, they have this thing lingering, looming over their head once again. The old situation of Will Wade and the possible improprieties. I'm going to say it like that. It's rearing its ugly head again. I'm not so sure about this whole timing. I hate the timing of the thing. You know, if you did wrong, you did wrong and punished the man and whatever. Will he make it through, through past this year? I have no idea. But uh, you, you got to figure out something with the timing. Do we really need to do this right for the NCAA tournament? Typical NCAA. But uh, we get into that, and then we spend the last half of our interview talking about the Pelicans, talking about Zion, where he is, and whether we think he'll play this year, and just where this team is in general. Interesting conversation. Let's get to it. Welcoming into the Datitude Podcast on a Wednesday morning, David Grubb, host of Hard in the Paint with David Grubb in the Bird Calls uh, podcast. You can find them pretty much anywhere you find your podcast. You find this Datitude Podcast. You can find those. Um, <laughs> Also a color analyst for Tulane basketball. We welcome in David. How you been, man? I'm doing well. I'm working hard as usual, but I 
Things are going well. How are you, sir? Good. It, you know, it's, it's, it's that fun time of year. You know, it, to me, it's, um, it's one of the more fun times of the year. As we, you know, it's not just March Madness, but the NBA is getting into its, you know, crunch time. Um, the NFL drafts around the corner. Free agency is coming, uh, is, is right here. We had some big trade. We had a big trade yesterday, a big signing yesterday. To me, March is one of the most fun times of the year for, for guys like us in the business. Plus, we should be talking about baseball, too. Well, yeah, you know? that's another story. They're really <laughs> ticking me get, off. <laughs> we have gotten a good start to college baseball this year, Some, you know, both locally and nationally, some interesting teams there. So, yeah, baseball season is back in that regard. So hopefully that the adults will be – back soon as well yeah you spent a lot of time with Tulane what's up with the green wave they, they get blown out Friday and then they come against a number nine Mississippi State team and then they they come back and, and win a game they shouldn't have won Saturday and win again Sunday what's up with that team I think they, they're putting the Tulane in general right now is kind of trying to put some stuff together they've seems like they've made some quiet you know good hires that are paying off uh, with this yep. the highest Tulane's been ranked in, what, six years? You know, they're back in the top 25, I think, what, 19 or 21? Um, and it's, it's a slow build. They got some talent. I think, really it's, you know, it's a little bit different situation than what LSU has, obviously, where LSU bringing in a bunch of super talented guys, but you still kind of wonder defensively, are they going to be good or they can they do these things? But Tulane, you know, solid, steady team. They really are, and, and, and it's good to see them back on the, on the college baseball map. Um, so I, as they go along, this could be a fun team to watch going forward. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, college baseball, just getting into it. And I think it's going to be a, a fun year. Um, we're going to talk more about that as we go along for sure. I do want to touch on a couple of things before I get to the Pelicans, because that's the main reason why I have you on. We haven't done enough Pelicans. Uh, we've been focused way too much on our football team here, but uh you know, the Pelicans have just been, except for the last two games, to me, just overachieving the last three months. And it's, it's, it's phenomenal to see. But I do want to get your opinion first on uh, the Calvin Ridley situation. You know, it, it, it boggles the mind to me, David. I, it, first off, I want to say this. I, I, I think in the grand scheme of things, the way things are today, I'm not sure why if you're not playing football, I'm not sure why you shouldn't be allowed to bet if you're away from the game, which is what he was. But that being said, common sense dictates that you can't bet on, especially on your sport, and you certainly can't do it under your name. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> common sense, right? Yes. You know, and it's a lot of layers to this, because like you said, you're talking about, number one, we have to deal with that gambling is no longer the perception of what it was when these rules were put in place. Right. It's no longer the societal outlier. So we need to deal with that. Sports leagues need to understand that, especially it's kind of hypocritical for them to present the message of, you know, we work with gambling companies, we work with betting uh, houses, and yet we have these rules that have not modified with times. Um, with all the security, you know, look, the way he got caught is the reason that we know the system works. Right. Is that his name? The bet they were, He was reported because it was his name and these bets were placed and such and such. So the system worked in that regard, but we also need to, this is, should be the start of a conversation because you look at the Ridley situation and this is the guy now that loses at least a year of his career. And I think that 
for if 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 what he says, if all he pays was fifteen hundred dollars bets and he loses more than a year, I think we're being excessive. You know, let's we, we, we're getting past what we did with Alex Harris. You know, we're talking thirty four. I mean, you know, fifty right. years ago, George Horning, when Alex I mean, uh, Harris and Paul Horning Paul got Horning, suspended. I mean, yeah. yeah, so it's time to start thinking about these things. And then you talk about the context of Steven Ross too, and what you have with him and Brian Flores. And we talk about the integrity of the game. If these are the questions, then let's really answer them. But um, Calvin Ridley's situation, let's find, if he has a problem, he needs to deal with it. He can't, you know, no matter what the amount of the bet is, you know, the rules, you don't mess up. Uh, but yeah, this should be an inflection point to reexamine these rules and make sure that they make sense. And that, if there is a way for people to make these legal things, because we know players are telling their friends to make bets on their hundred percent thing. So it's, it's being done by proxy. So let's just figure out how to make sure we, we don't have to force these back channel things because it's going to happen again. I agree wholeheartedly. I really do. And, and I mean, but I just, at the same time, I agree that the rules need to be looked at and need to figure things out. And again, He's he wasn't even with the team. He was obviously he wasn't going to play the rest of the year. Um, we don't know what his personal issues were, nor do they matter. Um, but you know, still, I can't get around the common sense part of it. You got to know when you're doing that that you're you're doing something you're not supposed to. Do. And and look, shout out to him for being for manning up and saying I did it. I mean, he never he didn't try to skirt around anything. He. He, he owned it and, and all that stuff. But, I mean, just when you're going to do it and you're bored, I mean, get your girlfriend to, to bed. Get your mom to do it. I mean, sign up under your mom's name, whatever. Use, get a burner phone. Put it in your mom's name. I mean, just common sense. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I think that's part of it, too, is that guys just – you look at the, the ubiquitous nature of the sports um, betting scene now. It's on your phone, and I think that's part of it, too, is people just – the ease of it. And you, you don't think, and, but in his situation, he has to. He knows the burden is higher for him. He can't be, even if he is living at that moment as a civilian, he, he never is. 365, you are part of the NFL. That's right. Well, speaking of, to me, a much more egregious deal um, than what Calvin Ridley did, betting $1,500, who cares? I mean, in the grand scheme of things. I mean, to me, that's... I, I think a year suspension is a little harsh, but uh, someone who may be in a little bit more trouble in the near future is LSU basketball coach Will Wade. And um, I, as we talk about the, the, the more news coming out, and I know you got to figure that LSU is going to get some kind of penalty. Um, David, what do you think about the timing of this? This is the second time now that news is coming out right before the tournament's starting. And, to me, if you're going to do these sorts of things, if you're the NCAA, and I'm not taking up for Will Wade at all, at, and I mean at all, but if you're going to talk about these sorts of things, why don't we talk about these things before seasons start or after they're over? Yeah, it seems, you know, petty PR-wise that the NCAA does these things with the timing of interrupting the season um, whenever you do it. And it's not the Will, you know, like you said, it's not just about Will Wade. It's like, the timing in general, because ultimately adults do have to pay penalties for things they do wrong. Absolutely. Neither one of us would dispute that, but these college athletes shouldn't suffer in that regard. The punishment shouldn't be kids who didn't have anything to do with this. 
So let them have their season. And then you deal with, like you said, deal with it afterwards or prior to and let work with the administration and all those things because it doesn't make sense. There's too much interruptions to have a coach and his staff and his players have to deal with these things when they're trying to prepare for their games, which is ultimately what you say you're about is servicing these athletes, which we know isn't true, but that's the continue to push. But this doesn't serve the athletes better. It doesn't serve the product better. It doesn't make the pub feel better about you cleaning up the game of you dropping this right before the tournament. Because again, it's the hypocrisy of it. We're going, we're about to watch billions of dollars flow for the NCAA. And we're going to be focused on these, this money that Will Wade is involved with. And it's about pushing it all on Will Wade for the NCAA and not talking about their problems systemically. David Grubb, host of Harden the Paint here on the Datitude podcast on a Wednesday morning. Um, well, what do you think with Will Wade? I mean, can he survive this, do you think? I mean, we don't know, we don't know what's going to come out of it in the grand scheme of things, but to me, he seems like he's been a different coach this year. I mean, let's, let's look at it. The, if his contract got amended in 2019 and it said, if there's even an investigation, he can be fired. The investigation has dropped, produced the notice of allegations now. If they're level one or level two um, uh, problems in there, then I think he's done. Yeah. Why would you keep him if you're LSU? Scott Woodward didn't hire him. Um, the program has not achieved what I would say the expect, met the expectations that Will Wade has had for it. You've gotten exactly one tournament win with Will Wade on the bench since he arrived at LSU. You had the two when he was suspended in 2019, but you've had one with him on the bench. So three wins in six years is not that many if we're talking about the success. And this is the team this year that stumbled its way into the SEC tournament and didn't play particularly well in conference play. So at 21 and 10, was this the season that you were expecting out of this team with all these recruits that we've heard about coming through Baton Rouge, with all the top five classes that they've had, and yet this is a team that's only been to one sweet 16. So if you're Scott Woodward, is has Will Wade been worth the headache? The amount of money that he gets, the amount of attention that he brings to your program in a negative fashion, doesn't matter how much you like him. And I know he's got a lot of friends on that, um, in, in that administration. They haven't won. He's brought this negative attention to you. And he only has one year left on his contract anyway. I think I, he gets cut loose. I agree with you. Um, who knows, though? Maybe they can make a mini run this year. But... To me, this distraction that's going to be hanging over them, how much do you think that plays into them? And say, say there's no more news until after the tournament. Say this is the end of it until I don't, I don't necessarily think. I think something's going to come out before the tournament my, myself. But so let's just say that it doesn't. Let's say that's the end of this news until the tournament's over and they let them go through and they let them play. Um, do you think this news is hovering in the background and affects the team at all? Every game. Yep. Because with every loss, then it gets closer to them having to answer, you know, the allegations. It comes closer to them answering the questions about the future because the media is going to ask. They're going to say, are you coaching like this is your last game at LSU? That's going to be there. So the players are going to be thinking about that. And don't you think calls have already been made now from, from recruiters to families who are saying, LSU is about to go on probation. 
That's right. Why are you staying there? There, you know, kids who are either playing for the team currently or high school kids who have committed to LSU. Somebody's on the phone with them immediately. And now in this era of NIL, somebody's making promises to them mm-hmm. right now to get them out of Baton Rouge. So, I mean, if you're LSU, you already have to be thinking about, you have to be making that decision. If you've received and you've looked at it, I'm sure Scott Woodward is already, you know, dotting his I's and crossing his T's. Lastly, on this team, let's just talk about the basketball aspect of it. You talk about how they have just been disappointing in SEC play, and you have, I mean, that's the truth. I mean, since they beat Kentucky, um, I guess it's been a couple months now. Uh, it, it seems like forever ago, really. And it seems so promising the way that they were able to win that game. And just things kind of fell off after that. And, you know, you start off 15 and 0, and then you lose games like the, South Carolina, you have no business losing to. You lose to Ole Miss, and you, you lose a game against Arkansas that you had in the bag, seven-point lead with four minutes left or so. How is this team going to regroup, get everything? Now, the win against Alabama helps, but how are they going to regroup? Get, I think they need a winner, at least one win in the, in the SEC tournament to give them momentum going in the NCAA tournament. I don't, how do you turn it around, though? Because even if they win a game in the SEC tournament, are they higher than a six or a seven seed at this point? You know, I, I just don't know. And it seems every year there's something. You know, they say, right. oh, well, it's injuries this year. That, or it's, it's you know, we just we haven't been closing games. We've had bad luck down the stretch. Guys have missed free throws. Or this, But every year that's the case with LSU. They're not deep enough. They're not – mature enough they're not something every year and this is a flawed team that when it gets time to make tough decisions they make a lot of mistakes they turn the ball over they don't know how to get it to Tarzan at the right time or he fouls out of a game in 20 minutes you know he had 24 points in 19 minutes the other night and he fouls out right that can't happen and so it's just it's there's always something and I think that at some point no matter what the whether it's a college program NFL program whatever at some point, it can't always be something. You got to produce. And Will Wade hasn't produced to the level that they're expecting him and paying him to. I had someone ask me the other day, why, does, why doesn't Tyree Eason start? And I'm like, the reason why he doesn't start is because they don't want him to pick up his first two fouls in the first four <laughs> minutes of the game. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy how many, how many fouls this dude commits. Uh, you think he'd he's like Jackson Hayes. That's exactly what he's like. Fouls, fouls. But he sure can score. Well, I tell you what, though, this this team is fun to watch, though, and and I'll give you that. I mean, they're, they're in every game. To me, they can beat almost anybody, depending on the situation. It's just if they have enough confidence in themselves or not. Because, man, they got some talent. And, and Xavier Pinson, I love this guy, but I mean, sometimes like don't don't shoot the three. You're like twenty one percent back there. But man, he can handle the basketball. I, I mean. I, they just have such great talent, and I'm not sure what to think of who they are and what they can do if they really get it together and, you know, find a way to make a push. I think they could actually do something if they figure something out in the next week and a half. The thing is you got to win three, four games in a row, and yeah. when was the last time they did that this year? And like you said, they have the ability to beat anybody, and they've also shown you they have the ability to lose to, to lose anybody. anybody. That's the darn truth. All right, David, let's get to the New Orleans Pelicans. And, uh, you know, last night was no fun, uh, 132 to 111. Um, and, you know, this Grizzlies team, I've been saying this for a month or two now. Uh, you know, 
I'll, there's only one team I have a future bet on, and that's the Memphis Grizzlies, because I think they're underrated. I think they can play with anybody. I think they're they might be the most fun team in the NBA to watch. Um, so I guess I'm leading with the Grizzlies here, but so that's not to take anything away from last night. You play without BI and obviously we know how important he is to this team and how hot he's been over the past two, three weeks. But first, just give me your take on the Grizzlies. And, and do you think that they have a chance? I think they have a chance to win the whole thing. The Grizzlies are a hard matchup for anybody. And like, it's not just Jai either. either. no, no, like I, I, well, I was writing for the bird right yesterday and I was writing the preview for tonight's magic game. And I was just like, think about the Grizzlies is they're what the Pelicans wish they were. Yes. They're everything the Pelicans wish they were because they've been, they, you know, they started this at the same time. They you know, Zion number one, John number two, yeah. both of these teams in a rebuild and the, the Grizzlies did everything right. They put, they had some young players like a Jaron Jackson Jr. around John Morant, the Tyus Joneses of the world stuff, but they also had enough veterans. You get your, your Kyle Landersons, you get your, you know, those guys who are around there who can provide some Steven Adams who provides some Steven Adams last night. Yeah. He played his ass off. He did. And um, you, you look at that and you say they're too deep at every position. They've got two point guards, two shooting guards, two small. I mean, everything Brandon Clark comes in and he shoots the ball. Well for them does they, they have a versatility. They are fast. They are athletic. They are, tough but they can also play in the half court they defend they like playing with each other they do all the things that you want when the pelicans were playing in that four game win streak they looked like what the grizzlies are putting out on a pretty consistent F, um, nightly basis that's the thing with the pelicans same thing with pelicans is like lsu in that regard they can beat anybody the pelicans got 15 wins over teams over teams that are over 500 then the top third of the league in that category but they will lose to anybody too. Yeah. And it's, and not having Brandon Ingram last night doesn't explain why you lost by almost really, you should have lost that game by 30. It got close to late right. later, but you, you were down 30 easy real quick. And, and, and that's the thing is even without Brandon Ingram, that shouldn't have happened. And so the Pelicans have to get to a point. You got, Nine home games left in the season, eight road games. Four of those home games are coming up this, in this next week. The Grizzlies are the model that you want to get to. You want to be consistent every night. You want your star player playing like a star, but knowing that when he doesn't have to, there are other people capable of taking up that slack. And the Pelicans just don't have enough of those yet. Um, but the Grizzlies, man, yeah, like you said, if you were placed in the futures, Put it down on the Grizzlies. That's, I did. That's my did. favorite team to watch in the league. I love watching that team, and, and they are just so entertaining. And I think that it's great that they're in the same division as the Pelicans because that should be the rivalry going forward, Memphis, New Orleans, if the Pelicans can reach their potential. All right, hypothetical. And I know, look, going back in time, there's no way you would change the way they picked. You're picking Zion 20 times out of 20. So I'm not saying what they should have done. Obviously, you have to make that pick there. But if you go back in time and just think about it, could you imagine this team with John Morant and and Zion goes to Memphis instead? Sadly, I've I imagine that from the beginning because <laughs> I stood on the fire guys back in that that year. I said, if you know, I, I'm like you, you can't, you couldn't not take Zion. 
if the Pelicans had said no, the whole world would look at them as if right. they were, you know. But I thought Ja was the more when I looked at him and his personality, he felt like the guy that wanted to be the guy. Yeah. He came in wanting to be the best player in the NBA. I think Zion really enjoys playing basketball. I don't know if he wants to be the best player, you know, who ever played. I think John Morant, that's on his wish list. Is I want to go down as the, 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 in that list with Kobe and these guys. That's who I want to be. I don't know yet. I haven't seen enough of Zion Williamson to make me believe that that's who he wants to be. And I didn't see that, you know, certain thing at Duke. You see greatness in people. You see that great athleticism. You see talent. But champion is a whole different category, and I don't know yet if I see that in Zion. It's also hard to judge from 35 college basketball games how good somebody's going to be in the future. That's why I'm, I just I can't I hate the one and done. Um, I don't know what you do. I don't know how you would change it. Um, I'm not saying you go to the, the football and the baseball model, but I just hate the one and done. And I think the kids, to me, using two years in college would mean so much more, not just for them, but for their futures. And I think Zion with another year in college, to me, would have it would have made a whole big difference, I think. Just just my opinion. I mean, I don't know. The one thing for that. I would say, I don't know, you know, necessarily if college, the thing is, I think Zion needed to learn. Zion needs, the, the thing about college, I think Zion would have served by not necessarily playing basketball, but is growing up. Yeah. Yes. He I, didn't have enough time. Wholeheartedly. To figure out who he is. And that's the part of college that I think sometimes that athletes need more than, than the game work, because you're not going to find there wasn't going to ever be anybody physically as talented as him on, on the college level. He was always going to have it relatively easy. But that mental part, that those years of being away from home, of figuring out how to take care of yourself a little bit by yourself. Because once you go back to the NBA, family's right back there. And that's been this thing with Zion is this about his family and how much do they interfere in his career. Well, when you're in school, they can't be. They're not there every day. You know what I mean? They're not in your that's dorm right. every night. You get some time by yourself to figure out your own identity. What do you want out of life? But when you become a professional and your family is the inner circle for your career, where do you get that space to figure it out? And you look at a guy like Lonzo Ball that is at one point that he finally says, Pops, I got this. And his dad stepped back. We haven't heard about, you know, you right. hear about LeBar. But right. Zion needs to get to that point because I just feel like he's still very much a kid, and that's not to insult him at all. I was a kid at his age. I needed to learn things about growing up. I was a kid but, at Jonas Valanciunas's age. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, that's, not, that's no insult to anybody, but I think we all know those years that the opportunities that we had growing, to, to grow by ourselves, when you had a roommate, you had to figure out how to, you know, make the rent right. and all that stuff. That teaches you some lessons that you just can't learn with your parents next to you. It's just hard for a 19-year-old kid to come into the league. I mean, to me, there's there's a once-in-a-decade Kobe, once-in-a-decade LeBron who could come in at that age and figure it out and have the head on their shoulders to to, to just be ahead of their time, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. but that, that doesn't happen very often. I mean, that's why, to me, it's just, you know, for Zion, I, I agree. And it, I don't think it's his fault. I just don't think he – I don't think he grasped – what he what the next level was and and 
what he needed to do and the work that he needed to put in. I think he's starting to figure it out now. Um, maybe people, t- I mean, I don't want to say that people turning on him is, is a good thing, but I think maybe that he's saying, oh, wait a minute. You know, maybe this is eye opening to him a little bit. And I, and I'm so glad that he came back to the team and, and, and now is part of the team and realized that he needed to be with them, I think. Yeah, I think it is important sometimes when you've always had it. And, again, I don't want people to think, like, oh, you don't know his life. I'm not saying he's always had it easy in right. life. Right. But what I'm saying is when you are talented and exceptional in a smaller pond, and in Spartanburg, South Carolina, he was in a very small pond. At Duke, it's still a relatively small pond because the players are not guys who are going to be your contemporaries. And then you get to the NBA, and he's still trying to to, 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 to learn what it is to be a professional. Like you said, professional is a big thing. It's not just, I think fans need to understand that, and players too. You don't just go and say, I'm going to keep playing basketball. It's not just that simple. It's a, being a pro is a job, and, and I think 100%. that Zion is figuring that out. And, yeah, I think it does help sometimes to not be universally loved for people to hold you accountable and say, the promise of you is this. It's time for you to live up to that. And, and I think that's what fans want. They're not, they, I don't think they you know, hate Zion. They want to they bring him back in the fold, but they want to oh, see agree. the commitment. Yeah, I agree. I don't think people are. I, I think they're just people getting tired of the, the show, I guess. Um, and I think yep. that's, you know, and I, rightly or wrongly. So, but it's easier for us to say sitting here with a microphone in front of our face, we don't know necessarily what he's going through. And, um, you know, maybe he, we don't, I don't, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what that injury is. So who knows? And so, so with that being said, neither one of us being doctors, is Zion Williamson going to play this year? I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I think you look at, there's only 17 set, you know, games left. So what do you what do you gain at this point? And people say, well, if he's available to play in the play-in, that's one game. It's one game. You're not going to win a first-round series. Right. It's not going to happen. So what does he do for you other than in this down this stretch while you're trying to build this rhythm, this understanding of, of the guys who you want to keep for next year, who you want, may want to move on from? Imagine having to put Zion back into that down the stretch and have to figure out how to use him for 20 minutes a game while he gets himself in shape. Is that is now the time to do that or just wait till the offseason, make sure he's healthy and get him in and start this over from next year? Because there's nothing – I don't see anything to gain over I'll, the – because let's say even another week or so. I will say this, David, though. Wouldn't make your year if they went in the play game and beat the Lakers – Oh, absolutely. I mean, wouldn't it just make your year? <laughs> I mean, absolutely. you wouldn't care if they got swept in the in the first round. If they went, if they got to play the Lakers in in the playing game and knocked out the Lakers, that would make my year. Absolutely, absolutely. Just <laughs> so, you know, small goals. You know, exactly. progress comes in in portions. So yeah, if they make the plan, if they win a game in the plan and lose the second one and don't qualify for the playoffs, or if they did. And got swept in the first round. So where they started from to get their successful season, you know, I'll right. take that and say that's that's improvement. Does that mean there's still a large process to go through? Yeah, absolutely. But beat the Lakers, sure. Get that pick. Get the pick. Absolutely. And I will say this. I mean, and I want to talk about all the positives. 
with this team in the next uh, seven, eight minutes that we have left here. But I've got to start with Willie Green. I am so – I mean, you and I talked about this to begin the season. Even when they were 1-12 and 3-16 and, and 16 or whatever, you just had the feeling that this was the right choice from the get-go. I mean, what this guy has done and the positive energy that he brings, and you just look at the guy and you hope, man, I hope this guy is here for 20 years. Yeah, I think Willie has been phenomenal. And you still see him with the growing pains, you know, figuring out rotations right. and, and things like that. But the main thing is that Willie is, is holding this team accountable on a nightly basis. And that loss last night, I don't think will be reflective of the effort that they put forth tonight. He's not going to allow that to happen. He doesn't let the team look past people. Um, I think he's very serious about them getting better as a group. And I think, you know, he's, he maintains that focus on these 10 game increments um, for this team. Willie is, I would say this, I think David Griffin is kind of like the jet clamp of the NBA and he keeps shooting in the ground and getting oil. <laughs> and he didn't know he, what he had when he got Willie Green. I think he, you know, he, he thought he wanted Jock Vaughn. He thought he wanted these other people. Didn't get him. Shoots in the ground and he gets Willie Green. Hey, luck counts, and, man. Luck counts. Yeah, it does. You know, you give, but I'm just saying, he's had, he's, he's had a few of these moments, man. You know, you get LeBron to come home in Cleveland, all those things. He shot, he, he He's got diamonds, oil, everything else out of the ground. But Willie Green, he should be in the top five for coach of the year. And you can say, well, look at that one loss record. But look at what he dealt with. Look at the hand he had. And look at the conference that he's in. And to get that team back into shape. And the way that they played, like I said, over the last three months, the last 40, 50 games, you really have to give him credit. You really do. And, um, you know, I just think the future, and I haven't felt this for a long time, but I feel like the future is bright for this team. I'm not sure they're they're, you know, championship caliber anytime soon, but I think they're going to be like, you know, three, four, five seed caliber in the near future, and give us something to look forward to, kind of like, you know, the year before AD left, and and that's that sort of thing. So if they can get back to where, and and play like they played the last couple months. And, and bring that in the next year, it's just – we just want fun basketball. That's what we want here. Yeah, I mean, if you could get an extended run like that Memphis team, the grit grind, you know, you get a, if you get a decade of 50-win seasons and right. you know you're in contention and you make a Western Conference Finals appearance, maybe sneak your way into an NBA Finals, man, this, this, this area would go nuts for that. It would go nuts for that. That's – People have realistic goals for the Pelicans. It's not like if people think they're going to win. Nobody locally wants to think the Pelicans are going to become a dynasty and win five championships. But, man, if you could just be a 50-win team on a semi-regular basis, people would, people would eat that up. Be what you were when Chris Paul's last year here. Uh, you know, play the Spurs in seven games. It's, you know, stuff like that. Um, yeah. To get to where you are, make it fun. Speaking of fun um, – uh, McCollum and Ingram together. I mean, did did you think that they could gel as fast as 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 they have? I didn't know it would be as quickly as they did it, but CJ was the one veteran guard that I really liked for the deadline. I know a lot of people were like De'Aaron Fox, De'Aaron Fox. I did not like the De'Aaron Fox acquisition. 
um, because I thought, again, it would have been another young guy who needed to have the ball, who wanted to, who wasn't necessarily a shooter either. CJ is an actual lead guard. You know, he can take control of your offense yeah. um, when he needs to. And he creates spacing. He creates matchup problems. And he's the grown-up in the room that this team needed. Yes. They needed an adult. And he's the adult. And at his contract level and his age, you still got a good four or five years out of C.J. McCollum ahead of him um, with the type of game that he plays. So, yeah, I think he's been a fantastic addition. And then you think about those other pieces. Tony Snell's been very good in his spot duty. And then if Larry Nance can be what Larry Nance was for the Cavs last year before he got hurt, man, that, that, that trade is, is going to be so beneficial to the Pelicans. But, yeah, C.J. McCollum and B.I. give you as good an outside tandem um, as there is in the league right now. And I'd say that even with – you know, we've seen Steph Curry and, and, and Clay Thompson are not vibing. The Splash Brothers ain't splashing like right. they used to. That's right. It's Who, are you, who on the perimeter right now is going to give you more trouble than B.I. McCollum on a night-to-night basis? Can those two guys together and basically the acquisition for C.J., do you think that can help make Zion want to stay here? Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's a legitimate path to winning, you know, and I think what happens this off season will be huge. Who do you keep around him? Um, you know, I would think that you still want to get a couple more vets on his roster in the front court in particular, you still don't have enough depth at that four or five spot um, behind Zion and behind, you know, Jackson Hayes, who still gets into foul trouble at times, you know, as we've seen, and um, you want to see a little more athleticism at center because Jonas Valanciunas, I mean, the other night against Nicole yeah, Jokic, the Pelicans didn't have anybody. They had nobody who could guard Jokic. No. Not a single person. And, yeah, that's the MVP, but you didn't have people who could slow him down. Um, so they needed some better defense there. And it could use, a, you know, a, another point guard, an actual backup point guard, because all you have is Alvarado, who's been fantastic. Yes. But, is. again, very young, an undrafted rookie. You st- I think you would like to have another point guard back there just in case. But if you're Zion – does New York really make you better? You know, where are these places that you think you're going to go? And also, who's going to want you right now? Right. That's going to say, what team, what winning team is just going to say, we're going to give up stuff to get you, not knowing if you're even able to play 60 games a year. So if you're Zion, ride this thing out, man. Give yourself an opportunity to build up your reputation again. And then if it doesn't work in another year and you've played and you want to go, peace, love, and hair grease, dude. We wish you the best. <laughs> David Grubb, I appreciate your time, uh, and and I, man, I, I agree with you with the, with the Pelican stuff. And uh, I tell you what, I, I truly believe, like I said, I, it's it's so. Not, the last time we talked, I don't think either one of us had a lot of faith and confidence that this team was going to be able to go in the right direction and and get to where they are now. I mean, if you had told me three months ago they're going to be twenty seven and thirty eight and have an excellent chance to make a playing game, I would have told you you were crazy. So, I mean, I think that to get to where we are is a testament to the guys that are in that locker room and the head coach, and uh, it's fun to watch. It absolutely is, and, and I think it gets better, hopefully, from here. And, and I just a, a, there's a lot of talent there. And like you said, you have a good co- a head coach. I think you have a very good staff in general um, with that Pelicans team. And uh, hopefully Zion comes back and he's committed, and next year you are making a push to be a top five seed in the West because you look at the West, they're capable of doing it. It's the teams at the top are getting older. 
they're not getting better. Um, but you got to watch out for that. Those Memphis Grizzlies, man. Those Memphis Grizzlies yeah. gonna be there. They're definitely gonna be there. Before I let you go, tell us a little bit about your podcast, Hard in the Paint. Yeah. Um, last year, of course, the winner for Louisiana Sports Writers Association Podcast of the Year. Um, but Hard in the Paint, it, I know it sounds for people who haven't listened to it, it sounds like it's just a basketball podcast. But we talk about a lot of things in the world of sports, from sports law. We talk about the issues that are going on baseball, football. Um, I have great individual guests. Uh, and it's just an opportunity for me to talk about sports, and it's more about my attitude. I like to be honest and straightforward with my guests. That's why we call it hard to paint. I love basketball, but it's mostly about let's let's be real about sports. It's something that we love, and um, they're just good conversations. So you can get it anywhere you get your podcast. Well, I love it, and uh, I, I I definitely wholeheartedly tell my listeners that hey, we let's let's listen to like. Four, five, six podcasts. You know, we can all put them on the list. You can put it on the list there with, with Dattitude. It's hard in the paint. And also you are a host of the Bird Calls as well. David Grubb, thank you so much for joining us on a Wednesday morning. Talk to you soon. Always a pleasure, my friend. I need to have him on more often. He, he really – check out his podcast, seriously. Um, David does an outstanding job. And I'm glad to see uh, he's doing some more things that he loves and being able to – be a color analyst for Tulane basketball and those things. And uh, he, he just he does a really good job. We're always happy to have him on the show, and I'm, I'm sure we'll have him on again. Um, Want to get into it with Uncle Big Nick. Um, we talk about the Players' Championship in golf coming up this week, and I hope you listen to this. I mean, if you're into betting at all, if you just dabble in it, you should listen to this. Uncle Big Nick has been on fire, and I'm talking about since, like, January with golf. Now, the last two weeks, he's been kind of okay. But just in general for the year, he has been outstanding, and he is definitely pointing me in the right direction a lot so far this year. Um, he does his homework. You should see this man's sheet when he figures out who he's picking and who he's going through and all that stuff. So with the weather being as crappy as it's going to be in the Ponte Vedra Beach area this weekend for the Players' Championship, um, I wanted to get an expert on. Tell me who I should be looking at. Who plays well in this kind of weather? And that's what he does. Uncle Big Nick, can we make some picks today? Mom, can we please? Been a while since we heard that music. Yeah, I mean... I I think I left her with enough golf picks so she was good for a couple of weeks. Okay. I mean, I've been doing pretty well on that. So, not the last two weeks, but the, Let's say the four weeks well. before that, she should be good. Well, she was good before well, I mean, that, but, you know, since we haven't been on I mean, the air. It's golf picks. I mean, when you got five winners in three seconds and picking. I mean, it's pretty will, good. I'm always say, in contention on Sunday. I get the sweats. So, I will say this. No matter what you bet this week, it won't be as bad as Calvin Ridley's bet. Oh, God, was that a bad bet? 1500 to lose these, $11 million? <laughs> These NFL players, it's just, it's basically while you're in the league, don't be a dumbass. Yeah. That's, it, that's all it is. Don't that's be a pretty dumbass. easy way to put it. Don't, yeah. Don't bet on your teams. Don't go out and get arrested. Don't beat women, and you'll be fine for a few years. You know, I mean, we were just. 
we're talking about, I talked about it in the monologue and in the grand scheme of things with the way that things are now, should, should it be the worst thing in the world? If you're not playing, you're probably not going to play the rest of the year. You're sitting at home and you make a bet on football, whether it's your team or not. I don't really think in the grand scheme of things, that's that big of a deal, but common sense dictates that you're not supposed to do it. And you can get in a whole lot of world of trouble for it. So you probably and if should. you're bored and you're Calvin Ridley, common sense tells you don't sign up for a casino app as Calvin Ridley. I mean, yeah, that, that really, probably makes sense. Yeah. He doesn't have any friends. His girlfriend hey, can't do it for me. Anybody. Uh, I got a his question brother? for you. Now that he's suspended, can he do it? That's a good question. Like, what's it matter right now? I mean, you think still think he'd be smart enough to get like his 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 wife or girlfriend like a a burner phone and just like do it from that and you know you know. When you uh, feel better though, I don't know a player betting on the team like. Well, he did maybe go try harder to win his bet, but I mean, you know, it's better than betting against them. I don't know. Again, in the grand scheme of things, I don't understand why it's all that big of a deal when you're not playing. Um, This isn't 1985, and it's not Pete Rose, and you're not calling your bookie. I mean, it's legal now, and the NFL is making a big deal about being a partner in Vegas, whatever. Uh, I don't know. I guess that's – Well, I I searched (laughs) the Calvin Ridley story on Twitter. And then I started getting bet MGM ads on my Twitter. So I'm no, gonna, go figure. It's, yeah, imagine that. Yeah, I mean, and Google listens to everything we say. Hey, Google, I'm thinking. Oh, but yeah. I said it too loud. I might start beeping in the background. All right, let's talk about some golf. And uh, we, we have you on on a Wednesday. We don't usually. Have, we're not going to usually have a Wednesday show going forward until you know until we get closer to the draft, maybe. But um, I did want to talk about this week because it's a special week in golf, the Players' Championship. And for those out there who might be interested in dabbling here or there, I was going to pick your brain on some of your picks and why. And, uh, you know, one of the things that's interesting about this tournament, not only do they call it the fifth major, but um, it's, it's, it's one of those iconic tournaments I used to go to when I was a kid. My grandmother lived right across the street. Um, back well, lucky you. Yeah, it was nice. Um, I literally walked across the street to go to go to Sawgrass, and um, you know everybody. You're probably watching Arnold Palmer and stuff then. So. Oh uh, yeah, no, no, that was uh, I was Bobby Hogan. <laughs> oh okay. Uh, um, but you, you know everybody talks about the 17th hole, but there's so much more to Sawgrass. To me, it's it's one of my favorites of the year, and I know it's one of yours too. Yeah, because I, I I like the look the, the iconic courses to where. If they show me a picture of one hole, I know what course it is. And if the Masters has that, this has that, it's just, it's one of those tournaments where I'm always going to watch. The weather is going to be messed up, so that's going to mess up the tournament, which well, that, I hate. Yeah, it, it's, it's harder to bet, but I guess in a way it's more fun to watch because you got all kinds of weird stuff going on. You got rain. We're going to have rain the first two days. We're going to have wind and rain it's been Saturday. It's Tuesday. I'm going to have wind and rain on Saturday, and then Sunday it's supposed to be cold, so they're not going to know what to do. It's going to be uh, survival of the fittest. Well, it's going to be the, – the thing I don't like about it is it's going to be start and stop, start and stop. So, I mean, I like betting first-round leaders, and I might not cash that ticket if I win till Saturday. Because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they might not finish the first round till Saturday. So It'll be interesting I, to see. Just, they might not finish till Monday. 
Yeah, they def. Uh, um, if I had to bet, I'd bet that this tournament ain't ending until Monday. And then I, I, DFS hasn't been around here long enough, and they've been having great weather for tournaments. I don't know how that's going to work with showdowns. Yeah. How are you going to? How they going to just you know do that with these rounds running into each other? So it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Well, I figured what we would do is um, we'll talk about five golfers. Just give me five guys. We'll talk. Spend a minute or so each on on them. Uh, and why you like them, and then maybe then we'll just throw some extra names out there. But uh, if people wanted to put a couple bets, I've actually already made a few bets. So um, on, yeah, on me too. Tournament. Imagine yeah. that. Oh, yeah, imagine that. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna go from. We gotta tell you what. We'll go from five through one. You can rank them from five through one, and you can start with number five and uh, and guys we might want to look at this weekend. Well, uh, this course. I mean, water comes into play on seventeen holes. You got to be good with your wedges. You got to hit the fairway. Like this course ranks top 10 on tour and penalty for missing a fairway. So you, and the fairways are really small. So you're going to see guys. I don't think you're going to see guys hitting a lot of driver. And it, like the weather, if they do a pick and place thing, which is if the weather's bad, they normally let you pick up your ball, you mark it, you wipe your ball off and put it down. So, I mean, if they doing that, these wedge players are going to be just target golf at the, at the greens. The greens are really small. You don't have to be a great putter. So number five, I like Jason day. Uh, Day's been playing well. He's won here before he, he's had a stretch of a few years with injuries. I think he's finally healthy and he's just one of those guys I'm betting until he wins because I don't want to miss it when he does. And I know it's going to happen soon. Well, you know, we say that about a few guys and then we, uh, we we get burned. I see. I'm the opposite on some. Not so much with Day. I like Day this week too. But like Xander Shoffley, I'm not betting Xander Shoffley again until he wins. I'm. I'm but sick you're of not bet. getting a number on Shoffley. I'm not going to bet Shoffley at 18 to one. Right. To win the Dolph. You know. I mean, I'm getting 66 to one on Day. Yeah, I'll take that. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's just uh, the numbers is what gets me with this this stuff. So uh, yeah, if if you're out there listening, you can put five bucks on Day and get you 330 bucks. I mean. uh if he wins the tournament, it's worth five bucks for sure. Uh, depending on what, I'm sure Uncle Big Nick's putting a little bit more than five bucks, but that's a whole nother story. Let's go to number four yeah. and tell me who you like at number four. I like Hideki. Um, I mean, I don't think he's going to work too much. No, I mean, in 2020, he had the course record in round one, then they stopped it for COVID. He was not under after the yeah. first round here. And like I said, I mean, he's really good with his wedges, putting the ball on the green. And you don't have to be a fantastic putter here. He's really good as this Bermuda overgrown stuff that he puts on. And I don't know if you, if you're looking for some kind of redemption, like he was not under after the first round, they canceled the tournament last year or 2020. So, I mean, a redemption round, you know, I don't know. It it just, I I like him this week. I think he's playing the best. I mean, he's done one twice this year. I think he's played the best out of the top I, guys. What worries me about Hideki is that he's played so much. It looked like he kind of like um, last week, it looked like he kind of maybe tired out a little bit. But that course kicked their ass last week. Yeah, like, that's true. I, I'm well. kind of, my, my theme this week has been anybody that was in the top five Sunday last week, I'm not even touching them this week. Because I just think they're mentally and physically drained from that course. All right. So we look at um, 
Well, I'm trying to look at, at some odds for you live as we go along here in my computer. Oh, Hideki started to one. I got it written down. Third to one, uh, Hideki Matsuyama. All right, who's number three on your list? I, I I just said this about people from last week. I'm taking Rory, but Rory wasn't in the top five. He played good Thursday, then he just did, didn't play well at all. I, I think he's mad. I mean, if you heard his post-game, post-round, Comments last week. He was just aggravated with the course setup, and that course setup was bad. I mean, you—it uh, it was I'm gonna, like I'm going to tell you what I like about it. Was like Rory. landed on cement when you landed on the on the green. It didn't reward good shots. What I, I like mean, about Rory this week is Rory. I think this is going to be a week where a European player is going to win. Uh, they're used to playing in this kind of mess. Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise surprise me if like. And I know he's not on your list, so I'm just going to throw this out there. But a guy that I that I like at least for maybe a top twenty is like a Tommy Fleetwood, um, a guy that's oh, used God. to. Pl- Tommy Fleetwood shaved his beard, and that's all they talk about now. Maybe that's, that's why he's all they talk well. about. <laughs> exactly. But but Rory is again a guy that's used to playing in this mess. So I could easily say I think twenty to one is a great number on Rory, um, and I'm almost glad he didn't win last week. Because had he won, he'd probably be like 13 or 14. Yeah. And the thing about this course, it's weird. Like, uh, Rory, he has five top tens here and five missed cuts in the ten appearances. Yeah. So, so I mean, miss. and he's won it. So, it, it, everybody at this course has hit a miss. Will he be able to putt this week, though? It doesn't matter here. Yeah. Like, it's just the, the, the putting thing doesn't matter. The greens are so small. That you're not gonna have these long putts in to where you lag putting, you know. I don't know for people that play golf a lot. You say it doesn't matter, but uh, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> it does. Uh, I, I mean, it matters for us. But these pros. It matters for us exactly. Yeah. All right. Who's next? Brooks. If I get yeah. Brooks anywhere over thirty to one, I'm taking him. I got him at thirty-five to one. Like you said earlier, they they, they consider this the fifth ager. Brooks is a major guy. He just shows up for that. If Brooks was playing the Honda Classic, I wouldn't be betting him because he's just basically out there warming up. He doesn't care about winning the Honda Classic. He cares about competing in this field and winning this tournament. Like when he cares and when he's healthy, I'm going to take him. Brooks is my number one. I bet him. um, He was every week. um, You know, I don't like to put too much on. I've been getting a little crazy lately, so I've had to structure myself. So, you got $30 on one guy, $20 on a couple others, and then 10 and 5 and the rest of my guys. My $30 guy this week is Brooks Kepka. I agree with you. I think this is – and he's got great – in fact, he's 40 to 1 on BetMGM, which I don't know if I'm supposed to say that since Caesar Sportsbook is the official odds partner. Of he Pet, opened I know what 50 I to 1. Well, people have been betting on him. So Yeah. Anyway, so I, I agree. Brooks is, uh, I think, a great bet at 35 to 1. Uh, who's your number one? <laughs> I'm so sick of this guy burning me, but I'm taking John Rom. Uh, oh man, you crazy! It's, it's got to click sooner or later. Like, I mean, he last week he was first tee to green, all categories tee to green. He's first, dead last in putting. So, like I was saying on his course, you don't have to be a great putter. So if he's first tee to green and he sinks a couple of these putts, he's going to win this tournament. It's going to happen. I'm getting him at 12 to 1. I haven't got 
I haven't seen Rom over ten to one in six weeks. So I think this is the week. I mean, there's a this reason. This is the last week. This is the yeah, last. Yeah, I know week. there's a reason. You said that, before. but I've been waiting for. It. Well, well, he is. I he is the favorite. Him, I haven't bet him outright in forever. I've been playing him at DFS, and he's been my weakest guy in my lineups, which is crazy. No JT, just because he won last year, Justin Thomas. Yeah, the, the history of back to it's never been a back to back winner here. The only person that's won here and then finished in the top ten in the next year was Adam Scott in two thousand four. Wow. Okay. Well, again, the, the weather conditions are going to be interesting, and they are certainly going to wreak havoc on uh, on golf. But see, for you, you don't like that. For me, I, I think it's fun. I think it's fun when they got to do stuff they're not, not used to doing. I know it's not great for betting, but I think you can find advantages in betting. And like I said, it's one of the reasons why I like some of these European guys this week because uh, they're used to playing it and just crap. And that's what this yeah, is going to be. There's four guys I bet small amounts on just because of the weather. Yeah. I'll just rattle them off. Yeah, Lee Westwood. Lee Westwood. Did that. At 150 to one. Got him. Russell Knox, who's really good in windy conditions, 175 to one. Shane Lowry, 35 to Got one. Got him. I Got mean, Shane Lowry. And Alex Norton. Okay. He's 80 to one right now, but I got him at 100 to one. I bet him on Tuesday. Uh, I really like Alex Norn. Well, I don't have Norn. He won but... the British. Ma- he take Alex Norn. He won the British Masters when it was cold and rainy, and he's been. Well, playing I think really he's well. due too. Yeah, he has been playing real yeah. well. So, so he's due. So I, I might put him. He's a great ball striker, a great wedge player. Yeah, and he's one of the best putters on tour. But the only thing he normally struggles at is iron play, and he's been playing really good with his irons. Well, he needs to find a way to break through because once he breaks through that guy. You're not going to see him with those kind of odds anymore. He's going to be regularly 40 and better. Yeah, it's going to be like Scheffler. Yeah. Kokorak. Once he finally broke through, he won four times in eight months, and then Scheffler two times the last four starts. All right, what's your lock? If you had to give me a lock for a top uh, top 20, give me two locks. Top 20s? Russell yeah. Knox and Alex Lauren. Russell Knox. I, I don't Alex. have them. I don't have the odds written down, but. Yeah, they gotta be team. in. The, yeah, they gotta be in the good in the in the top twenty. I would think they're at least five or six, five or six to one. Yeah, it's it's four to five hundred. I'm sure plus four fifty, plus five hundred up in that area. All right, well we'll be. I checking would take it. Brooks. I would take Brooks top five too if you want to yeah. edge a little bit there. He's probably That's plus four hundred in that market. All right, Uncle Big Nick, we're gonna uh, win some money, and uh, if we win, if any of you top five win. What's the tournament next week? Probably something crappy. Valspar. All right. Well, if we win. If you want to your top five win, coming back next week, and we're going to start a, a streak, and we'll have you on every week. Any of your top five guys, you're automatically on the next week, and we'll see if we can, like, keep this rolling until, like, October. That would be something. Yeah, you should have told me. It'd really be something. <laughs> if, I keep, if I do that till October, I'd be retired. Well, good. Bring me with you. All right, Uncle Big Name, we'll talk to you later. All right, man. Thank you. Having fun. Having fun. That's what we're doing here. Having fun. And that's what you're supposed to be doing with your with your betting, by the way. Having fun. I had uh, a couple people reach out to me over the past few weeks when we do our shows on Mondays and Thursdays on bet.nola.com. Gambling is the devil. Gambling is just a disease. So are a lot of other things. 
I never understand why people, not so much this show, because I know, obviously, we've tried to make the attitude a lot more than about gambling. In fact, we haven't talked a whole lot about gambling in the grand scheme of things. Um, but I am the sports betting writer. So when you come to bet.nola.com and you watch our shows on Monday and Thursday on bet.nola.com, gambling is the devil. Did you come here to, I mean, they're like the guys that go to the French Quarter and hold up the signs in the French Quarter. I mean, who are you talking to? <laughs> I mean, you're not going to stop anybody from gambling if they want to gamble. Just like, no, we're not going to get into it. I'm going to, I'm going to. I'm going to let that slide. I'm going to let it go. Because um, I'm going to end this show because of a few reasons. Again, I'm under the weather. I I did want to have a show. It was important for me to get back on and for you guys to see that Datitude is well and good and alive. And um, we will be back on Friday. Look, SEC tournaments can be fun. This is a big weekend. Friday we will be talking uh, probably more about the Pelicans. We'll be certainly talking about the Saints and the quarterback situation. We never even we went through a whole show with all the stuff that happened, and never even said the two words Jameis Winston. But you got to think he's in the leader in the clubhouse now, right? Um, I said all along. I said there to me there are three people. There are three guys that could possibly be the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. On that second Sunday in September, it's either Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater, or Russell Wilson. Obviously, Russell Wilson now out. I guess there's a slight chance it could be Jimmy Garoppolo, but I don't think so. We'll see. But we'll talk more about that again on Friday. I'm not 100% sure my guess is. I, I hope it's going to be Jeff Duncan, but I'm not 100% sure he's available yet. He has not confirmed. We'll see how that goes. But I'm going to end this show with a song that lets you know how I'm feeling right now. I feel like I got hit by a sledgehammer. (laughs) Just in time to come back to work. Right, boys and girls? Maybe we'll be fine by Friday. Maybe we won't, but we'll still do a show. And we will see you then. Peace and love, my friends. I